Hey, welcome to Gary's Shortlist. Today we're having a chat with Sam Thiara all the way from Vancouver. Sam is the Chief Motivating Officer, as he calls himself, at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. Sam is an accomplished author of a fabulous book that we'll have a chat about. Sam is also a uh, very sought-after TED Talk speaker. I think he has a couple of TED Talks under his belt. I encourage you to sit back, have a, uh, a listen to Sam Thiara. Thanks. Hey, Sam, welcome to Gary's podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, Sam Thiara, please introduce yourself. How are you going? Uh, things are really well. I'm here in Vancouver, Canada, and I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, we can talk all the way down to Sydney, Australia at the same uh, time and place. It's brilliant, isn't it? And uh, and luckily, we've got a terrific connection today. My dial-up seems to be working very well. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. Same on this side as well. So the, the universe is cooperating with us today. Yeah. And just quickly, how's COVID treating you guys over there right now? Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, challenges for every single person in this world, but uh, some places are doing better than others. And uh, over here, we, you know, are probably in the fourth wave right now, not in the lockdown mode, but, uh, you know, being very cautious here in Vancouver. Uh, I think uh, one thing that I always like to share with people as a reminder is with COVID especially, this is a really good time for us to care. And when I say care, Gary, what I mean by care is collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Those are four things that I think we need to activate in order for us to move forward. Uh, collaboration is this need for us to do an inventory of what we bring and what other people bring and how do we support each other uh, in our work, um, you know, and I do this all the time with local businesses or, uh, you know, all the different things I do, I look to collaborate with individuals. Uh, adaptability is we've all had to change. And, you know, whether it's teaching, whether it's uh, office work, whether it's even in construction, we've all had to change the way we look at business. And change is not a comfortable thing for many people. Uh, change has never been difficult for me. I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty. But, you know, when they said, okay, today we're going to go virtual, for me, it was like, okay. And then I just started on the virtual pathway. There is a need for us to be adaptable uh, in order to ride this wave out. Uh, resilience is the R. And Resilience just means knowing that this is a marathon. This is not over next week. It's not over next month. When you build resilience in, you're prepared for the journey to go beyond uh, instead of just focusing on the here and now. So build that resilience in. And finally, empathy. There is a need for us to show care and compassion to the people around us, whether it's family members, friends, work, social gathering, it doesn't matter. Everybody is going through COVID in their own way. And empathy just means some people may be ch more challenged than others. We need to, again, support that piece and empathize so that we're not imposing upon them. So I think care is really important. Collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Yeah, look, I, I I think that resonates with us definitely here in Sydney um, or New South Wales. Uh, our state has been in a fairly hard lockdown. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 
of course, the government have got a massive challenge in front of them and they're managing, you know, the operational side, you know, reasonably well. It depends who you talk to. Um, but I think the care piece and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, we've got, you know, access to psychologists or what, whatever yeah. it is to sort of tick that box yeah. um, is one thing on a government level. But I think on an employer level, um, I, think it, I think it's really interesting when we spoke earlier and you were talking about care. Um, I, I, I guess a lot of businesses have been thrusted in this position, yeah. um, and and are trying, you know, to do the right things for the right reasons with their with their staff. Um, and in Australia at the moment, there seems to be quite a um, quite a push that if you haven't got a, a vaccination one or two, um, you, you're likely not to be able to go back to work, right? Yeah. And, and, of course, there's some resistance from, from mm-hmm. one side of the street uh, and then there's, there's compliance on the other. But I, I would think for a lot of organisations, it's, it's, a, it's a time where they probably really need to reflect on the care component as opposed to the compliance part of it. Yeah. Um, because without the care, I think, um, and it's, it's one thing an organisation saying we care, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a bit more to to, to actually show it and and, yeah. and invest in it. And um, yeah. there's some companies out there I know right now in Sydney that are doing a terrific job. You know, in terms yeah. of um, you talk about empathy. Um, yeah. um, I think I think I've seen the well seen and heard the good and the bad. And I and I heard a bad one the other day. I heard of a, uh, a construction worker that's at a managerial level, and he took his uh, young daughter to work in mm-hmm. the in the truck and. Um, and uh, one of the bosses pulled him up and said, do you think it's appropriate that you're bringing your daughter to the work site? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, look, I, my, my wife is trying to juggle uh, yep. her, her work. I've got another daughter that's at the grandparents. It was either she came with me or I didn't arrive. Yeah. You know, what, what do we do? And it, and it brought about that conversation. And I, I thought it was a bit harsh. I, <laughs> I thought that conversation, um, well, that, that person actually rang me and was quite upset about it. And just used me as a bit of a sounding board, and I, my immediate reaction was, "Wow, that's pretty tough to say, yeah. to say something like that in in this environment. If it had been in another environment, being no COVID or or no concern about that stuff, yeah. um, I think it might have been in context. But I, I just thought, I thought that's yeah. pretty. It's yeah. not showing much empathy there. No, and and that's where I think uh, considering that. Again, the person who made the comment in the first place, what are they going through at the same time? Mm. Uh, you know, are they going through a difficult time? And as a result, that's the, res- the comments that they made as a result of it. Or uh, maybe they're just not empathetic to the situation. Uh, and that's even where I'm, you know, talking to individuals or, you know, if I'm having a meeting with someone and, you know, the kids are in the background, I'm like, you know what, that's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Um, You know, uh, you know, you just sort of work around what's there. I mean, even for me, because I teach uh, in university, our house was going through major renovations during COVID. So guess where I was? I was doing lectures on top of the washing machine with all the hammering and everything. And my students had a good laugh about it because they were like, you know, it's I don't think I've ever seen a lecture delivered on top of a washing machine with <laughs> all this construction going on. Uh, and we go through it all. I mean, but that's the whole idea. But I needed their support as much as they needed my support. 
Yeah, yeah. So for organisations, and and I know that um, I know that you've got a, a very robust model here, but uh, for organisations listening right now that are you know we're just tweaking that uh, or or just you know bringing some awareness to this care factor, and and and, and I guess can they do it better? Um, are there any just top 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 half dozen dot points you could give them? Oh, totally. Listen, listen to people like. I think sometimes what uh, happens is people feel like they're being imposed upon or uh, directed. Uh, just even today, uh, I needed support with regards to my marketing, for example. And I reached out to a former student who's looking for an opportunity, has, has been struggling looking for an opportunity. So I'm going to hire her for three weeks, uh, sorry, for three months, 15 hours a week and pay her. And I told her, I said, but when you're working with me, it's not working for me. I want you to provide me your ideas, your thoughts, because those are going to be valuable to me. And I think from an employer standpoint, talk to the people around you um, and even learn about them even more. Like, what is it that, you know, then you know what they're going through and some of the challenges that they're encountering. Uh, you know, so listening and having this conversation, I think, is really important. Equally, at the same time, make it inclusive. In other words, in the construction industry, so maybe managers, senior managers, they've, they've got the experience, many of them years and spent in the construction industry. But uh, you know what? The people on the, on the ground level doing the, the hard labor and the hard work at this point in time, I always say some of the best ideas come from them because they're right there. And you know what? Listen and talk to them. And it's also the other one is about uh, problems and problem solving. It's easy for people to tell me what the problem is. I don't dwell on the problem. I want to know what's the solution. Let's collectively work together to resolve this issue. How do we work through it instead of just sitting there and saying it's a problem and, you know, letting someone else solve it for you, uh, activate it and look that a problem is actually has an opportunity in it in order to realize a solution, but talk to people and come to solutions. I think care just becomes a very simple overarching piece. And however you feel that you need to collaborate, however you feel that adaptability may work for you, uh, the resilience, whether it's for you or the people around you and empathizing so that and reinforcing the empathy on the other people as well to say, you know, I may be going through a bit of a challenging time. Let's say, for example, you know, I've been working from home. I'm, you know, the family's with me. I've got two kids. You know, it's not easy. And, you know, just even sharing that. And then people are like, OK, so, you know, you know, the, the empathy then comes forward so they can better appreciate and understand your situation as well. Uh, I think those are critical components. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, Sam. I as you were talking then, I was thinking about the care. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about care and I was thinking about my previous life as in safety management. And it actually applies. Um, mm -hmm. in the same way you're talking to, you know, you you, you spoke about um, you know, engaging with people on the ground floor and getting getting their open, honest feedback and all that yeah. kind of stuff. That, that is 101, you know, good yeah. safety management um, mm -hmm. as opposed to the telling piece, you know, about, yeah. 
you're going to do this and you're going to get the jab and you're going to fill out this yeah. form and you're going to do this and and yeah that's, in, that's really interesting really well, and Gary if I might if I might be able to add as well one thing that I often share with organizations that I work with is this concept of perspectives and it's interesting because we all have our perspectives and we see them as our own truths because of you know our our cultural background, our social media background, everything makes our perspectives. And I do an exercise and I encourage people to do this exercise, whether in construction, professional, doesn't matter. I put a picture of the ocean up when I'm doing these sessions. And I say one word and only one word to the audience, describe what you see. And then I go around the room and people will say deep ocean, like blue, serene, calm, dangerous, sharks, mermaid, fish, sushi, uh, pirates. And uh, at the end of it all, I've got this huge list of that goes with this image. And I say, okay, however, which one is the right word? And people are like, actually, they're all right. And I said, no, no, they can't be. There's got to be one word. And they're like, no, Sam, actually, they all represent the ocean. I said, but why is it that if I'm in a management role, I'm going to impose my word on you? And they're like, oh, And I said, my word is calm. Okay, serene, deep, blue, I can work with those people. But the person that saw pirates and mermaids, I'm sorry, we can't work together. And then I tell, why is it that the person who sees sand, pirates, or mermaids, why is it important for me to listen to them? And then they say, it's because they provide a different perspective that you may be missing. And I said, exactly. Those people are more detailed focused. I'm a very broad thinker and they're going to give me a different perspective. And I think that as a management role, supervisory role, we may have an idea of what we believe is the right idea, the right perspective, the right thoughts, our truth. And oftentimes we're imposing that on people when in fact, what we should do is say, well, tell me your thoughts. Uh, And then, we learn from each other that way. And instead of imposing a perspective, but that ocean exercise, I think it really opens a lot of eyes for people to say, wow, okay, I get this. It's simple. It's, it's, that's a great analogy. It's, it's fantastic. It, um, it, it reminds me when you talk about the listening piece and mm-hmm. um, uh, a great book, the humble inquiry, I think it was Edgar Schein um, mm-hmm. is, is a great book. Any, any of our listeners, uh, particularly in the safety field, it's a it's a it's a great book to to listen for the things that aren't being said and um, and understand a lot deeper than what's actually being said. Um, Sam, yeah. we've yeah. we've spoken before about mentorship programs and and your you know I, I understand you've been uh, you've mentored and coached thousands and thousands of people um, globally and, and and perhaps you could just share with us today mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. You know, just just some, I, I guess, for our listeners to 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 differentiate between mm-hmm. uh, mentors and coaches, and 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 then throwing the leadership piece in in the middle. Sure. Yeah, I, I think what's really important about it, oftentimes it's hard to discern between coaching and mentorship. But what I have found over the years that I've been doing both, coaching is where it's very inquiry based. So if somebody has no idea of the pathway and the journey, my role is to ask a lot of questions, to pull the answers out of them. And that becomes coaching. 
once they have an idea that, yeah, this is the pathway, this is the career, this is the type of job that I think I would like, then I start flipping into what I call mentorship, which is more the guiding piece of, of the directional piece to let's get you where you need to go. So coaching is much more inquiry-based. Mentorship is much more guiding-based. And, and, you know, a, a mentor has all this tremendous experience. Uh, they've maneuvered uh, through the pitfalls, the successes. Uh, they've got all of this experience that they want to share with somebody. And the thing is, there's not a mentorship store that you can go to and, uh, you know, get a mentor, uh, the right size, the right fit, whatever. It's all about the finding somebody that you respect and admire. And whether it's in a particular industry, whether it's uh, somebody that you've respected and admired because of the work they've done, they're always going to have something to share with you. And the idea behind getting a mentor and how valuable it is, is because, you know, I've gone through the journey by myself. And this is why I'm a huge advocate of mentorship. There was nobody there when I was graduating from university uh, that I could ask questions about. And I stumbled in the dark and, uh, you know, tried to find my way. And one thing I, I share, and the reason I do the mentorship is because of what I hold here, which are 86 letters. Um, these 86 letters are the rejection letters I received after I graduated from university from companies who said, we don't have a job for you and good luck in your search. It made me realize that I was not prepared. Uh, so then I went, after going on my journey of getting these various positions and jobs and you know, leaving the corporate world to venture on my own, it made me realize that I've, been gain I've gained a lot of this knowledge, experience, and stories I need to share. So over the years, I've been doing three to eight mentorship conversations a week. It's been about 22, 23 years. And it, I always say it's, you know, maybe 42 weeks out of the year that it's three to eight conversations a week. And Gary, I tell you, I am so rich because of the mentorship piece. And not from, uh, you know, yes, I've been able to help a lot of people, but just the knowledge and insight and the relationships that I've gained by having these tremendous individuals that I'm surrounded by, you know, uh, and I think that's really important is this mentorship piece. But mentorship is also what I consider, like if it's a mentorship program, uh, sometimes it can feel like awkward dating because you're just being paired up with someone and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, go in and have conversations. I always believe that a mentorship program should have um, an orientation piece. Uh, deliverables should be outlined. Uh, also, think of it this way, uh, especially from a pairing standpoint. Is it a structured mentorship relationship or is it an organic one? So um, for me, it's organic. Like, in other words, uh, a structured one would be where, you know, I would say, Gary, send me your questions a week in advance. We're going to meet for 45 minutes every third Monday of the month, and then we'll talk for 45 minutes. Now that's a structured program. For me, I like it organic. So let's say, uh, Gary, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah. Well, Sam, I want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, my career path. And then, you know, maybe two days later, you contact me and said, Sam, you know what? I really resonated with what you said. Can we arrange another call? And I'd be like, sure. So I think uh, organic, 
structured, it really based on the pair. If you are the mentee, the person who needs mentorship support, learn about your mentor. Like, you know, what is it that they do and who they are? Learn about them. And as a mentor, the biggest danger is you coming into this relationship thinking I'm going to save a soul and I'm going to, uh, you know, basically provide them a job because uh, all too often I hear from mentors who say, I didn't have a great relationship. And I said, well, what happened? They said, well, you know, I'm in the finance industry. I wanted to get a mentee that I could actually groom to get into this organization or a job. But they gave, the person they gave me actually had very bare minimum knowledge of finance and it just didn't work out. And I said, but did you ask them what they were wanting or did you just impose it? And he said, oh, yeah, actually, I think that's it. I didn't really ask what was important to them. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing I also want to share, Gary, is some of the best mentors have nothing to do with the area of your experience or work. Uh, for example, I have nothing to do with finance. And oftentimes I'm given a finance student or a professional and they go back to the organization and say, mm, I think there's a mistake. This guy doesn't know anything about finance. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, just trust me on this. Yeah. And next thing you know, uh, the, the relationship emerges. And then at the end of it all, uh, they've been able to accomplish much. Yeah. And the fin final thing I'll leave on this mentorship for you is uh, the mentorship relationship is, for me, it's ongoing. I'm still in touch with people 20 plus years ago. And it doesn't have to end. If you're in a structured program, it doesn't have to end at the end of the program. You can carry this relationship on and you can have more than one mentor. It's not prescribed that you only have to have one mentor. You can have multiple mentors uh, at the same time. That's not, it's not a problem. Uh, you also talked about leadership and I'll just briefly touch on this subject because I also... It's yeah. an interesting thing because people come to me saying, Sam, I want to be a leader. And I'm like, okay, uh, why did you come to me? And they're like, well, you're a leader. And I said, well, here's the thing. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is not a place. Leadership is a lifestyle. And the most important part is if you're that person, you don't determine if you're a leader. The people around you determine if you are worthy of that title. And people miss that because they, they, they're striving to this thing called leadership, but just getting to that position doesn't mean you're a leader. And I'm a huge proponent of this term called followership. We spend 95% of our time focused on leadership and nothing is done on followership, but the followers are the ones who make the leader. And followership is not what people believe to be blindly following like sheep. No, no, a follower is someone who's there to support and say, you know, I'm going to, I'll challenge if I don't believe in your idea and work with you on this, not in a negative way, but equally, I will support you where I can. But those are, those are where I think we really need to also focus on followers and really hold them in such high regard. Indeed. I, I read a book um, about followership. And, and the, the penny dropped for me and when, you, when you associate it with leadership. And, and then all those great leaders that you think about, whether it's the coach of the best football team or whatever it is, you start piecing it together going, yeah, they're not the guy standing there with the trophy 
uh, doing that stuff. Um, Sam, yeah, mindful of time, but but yeah. just just for our listeners listening out there now, I I do come across a lot of people, and I actually think I posted something recently on LinkedIn about for those of us, and I've been there where you get to a point in your career and you're thinking, do I become the manager now or the executive now or do I, you know, where do I want to be? And we all sort of, I, I think we all sort of hit these these sort of um, roadblocks sometimes. Uh, and I think having a, a mentor in your life mm-hmm. um could could yeah. really really well, and I love the fact you talk about the organic and the and the structured approach. Mm-hmm. I love the organic approach. My mentors always and I have always worked organically, and I mightn't talk to him for mm-hmm. six weeks, eight weeks, and then ring and then be on the phone every night of the week, right? Yeah. Um, and I've been really really fortunate for for those that are listening now that perhaps don't have a mentor yeah. um, in their you know particularly in their professional career. Um, what could be there? How do you go and find this great mentor? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, LinkedIn is such a great resource and place because LinkedIn has people in all industries, whether it's professional, construction, trade, it doesn't matter, everybody. Um, look at uh, the people on LinkedIn, whether you know them or not. I always say find 30 to 50 people that you respect and admire that you think, you know what, this person I could really learn from. You send them a note, but not the generic LinkedIn, hi, Sam, can we connect? But instead, something that's much more personal to say, Gary, I'm in Vancouver. I'm interested in a safety area. I appreciate the space that you've created for this, for this space. As someone who's just trying to learn about this, could we please connect? Now, if two out of 30 or two out of 50 of these people connect with you, that's huge. These are people you respect and admire. If they connect with you, be sure to follow up with them and say, thank you for uh, accepting my invitation. Uh, I know you must be really busy, but uh, is it possible for us to schedule a a Zoom call or a meetup, uh, depending on where they are, uh, at your convenience and see what the how that goes. I mean, if you get zero out of 30, well, hey, look for 30 more people. There are millions of people on LinkedIn right now. Mm-hmm. And don't limit it to regional, regional, national, international. Uh, I've had people reach out to me from, let's say, Florida, who said, you know, I, I just happened upon your profile. And, uh, you know, they were in the nonprofit sector. And uh, they said, well, you've worked with about 45 nonprofits. And I think I could really learn from you. But they sent it as a professional note. And I said, you know what, that's a thoughtful note connected with them. And I said, what can I help you with? And uh, then we had a a conversation uh, virtually as a result of that. So that's one avenue. The second avenue is whether you're in the trades or whether you're a professional, there are all of these associations. There are chamber of commerces. Look at the associations in, in your particular area And oftentimes they have a mentorship, either a mentorship program or uh, uh, something set up where you can learn and meet with people. And the other thing I I just want to share is this term, because I think we bat around the idea of a networking piece. I actually don't like the word networking. I believe in relationship building. To me, networking sounds very transactional. Relationship building is it. I'll, build, I'll talk to Gary, not because I need something out of him and not because 
you know, I think he might have a job for me. I'll talk to Gary because you know what? We've never talked before and maybe he's got some interesting stories or ideas or thoughts. And you, you never know. Gary knows somebody that's in an area that I might be interested in and says, you know what? I think I got to connect the two of you. Always go into these either mentorship relationship, not looking for a job or uh, expectations in that regard, but who am I going to talk to? And what am I going to gain, not from an economic standpoint, but from a, a more of a self-fulfillment standpoint of how I can be, become even better, stronger, better as an individual? That's terrific. That's terrific advice. Um, Sam, look, I'm really mindful of time now. We've sure. run out of time. Um, so I'd firstly like to thank you on behalf of the listeners for being here today. You've given us some great insight. I encourage my listeners and you'll hear in the outro how to, how to connect here with Sam. But um, I, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. I'd love to do a part two, and I've never said that. Um, so I'd love to do a part two with Sam at some point, mate. You've been, uh, you've been really refreshing for us today. On behalf of everyone here in Australia, and uh, we send our best to you guys over there in Vancouver. Thank you. And all I will say is uh, keep safe, you know, keep well and keep strong and uh, we'll, we'll all get through this and let's all care for each other. Cool. Thanks very much, Sam. It's nice to meet you.